One of my objectives for this year was to um, get more involved in the, you know, like the conference, not necessarily the conference circuit, but there's, there's, but there were, there's a couple of ideas I had um, that I kind of made objectives for myself for this year to, to give talks at, but I just don't know if I'm going to be able to. Um, They take a lot of time to prepare for, and I'm just, I, (laughs) I just think I'm going to be too busy all year to do that. So we'll see. You got to make time, Jeremy. You do. It's, it's tough though. I mean, it's, um, it's one of those things I'm, I have this flaw and it really is a flaw that I'm not comfortable doing anything unless I can do it to a level that I'm happy with. <laughs> yeah. And, and then that actually turns into me going just like totally eccentric on things, whether it's like, oh, I'm going to make, I'm going to break bread or I'm going to brew beer. Or I'm going to like learn how to, you know, do this, th- you know, technical thing or whatever. It's like, I end up going way up, what some would argue way overboard or to an eccentric level. Um, but when you do, th- when that's how you do things, it really limits the number of things you can do. Right. Because you want to go really deep on everything on each of those things. I kind of do that with learning a new technology is I, I, especially if it's a framework, because inevitably a framework is made up of other smaller pieces. And I want to start drilling into why they chose that. What is it? What is it doing? You know, all those kind of things. And I just never come out of it. I end up just digging, digging, digging and never come back up. Yeah. So, it, so, so that also adds to a, a bit of paralysis because then I, then I know, knowing that about myself, I feel like I can't start that because I'm going to go down a hole and I don't have time to go down that hole. Yep. You feel like you can't start something unless you're ready to fully invest in it and commit to it. And then, yeah, that, you end up not starting things. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting. And it's weird. Like, so today, you know, you walked in, of course, I'm, I've been ready to record for like an hour. I've just been sitting here waiting for you. <laughs> you can blame traffic I was almost for falling that. Asleep. Oh, no, I actually looked at it. It's, it's always bad this time of day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's weird. I've been tracking my sleep. And of course, I've been, you know, I'm still, what am I, four weeks in now trying to get over this? I don't know if it's a cold. I don't know if I had like flu type B or something. I don't know. I don't because I didn't go to the doctor or get anything, anything tested. Mm. But. I'm actually finally starting to get, like the past two nights, I've gotten somewhat decent sleep. Now, my sleep schedule's all messed up. Like I didn't get to sleep early enough, but I got over two hours of deep sleep, which is really good for me. Hmm. I think it's actually good for most people. Um, but that being said, I'm still like, right now, I'm just like, I think I'm at, I'm at the low point for the day right now. You know, there's always that point in the day where you're just yeah. like, I could totally just sleep and end my day right now. Like that's where I'm at right now. So I need to get energized, John. Well, you're you're a bit more energized than when I first saw you. Oh, you were I guess. practically planking in well, your I'm, chair. Well, <laughs> I'm always I know planking. That's the opposite of planking. I wasn't I planking. I was. Well, you're 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 you were stretched out, but you were sitting at an angle in the chair. But uh, I don't know, just look like a plank. Well, I, so I want to talk to you about these two beers because um, these two beers. On, you know, along along the theme of what's this woman that's like, you know, if it doesn't spark joy, get rid of it or whatever. That's like it. I don't know. Sarah told me about this woman like a week ago, and all of a sudden she's everywhere in all my feeds and all over the internet. Um, it's not the Marie, organizer lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marie oh, Kondo or Kondo or something. I don't know. I, so I saw that I've never before even seen she. Her before. I, I saw this. Is. I saw that before she blew up on Netflix. I watched the start of one of the episodes and went nope, and turned it off. And then all of a sudden she was everywhere, and I was like, oh. so she has a TV show, I guess. It's I mean, a Netflix I've, show. I've never seen this woman. It's a Netflix show. I just know, but I see the jokes everywhere now. Like I'll, I'll see these jokes that people are like, hashtag doesn't spark joy or I don't know, just all kinds of crap. And I'm like, oh, I get it. That's kind of funny. I'm glad that someone told me about it. Otherwise I wouldn't <laughs> have known. But anyway, um, about a month ago, which is kind of sad to begin with, 
um, I decided that I needed to clear out. So, we, you know, in like our office at the house, um, you know, there's the wine cabinet in there. We probably have 500 bottles of wine at this point. Jesus. I mean, really? we're all, we we're trying oh, to drink you, through you it. You did but. the wine club thing. That's why, right? Where you got like bottles every month or something. Oh yeah. We're always in wine clubs. Yeah. But I also, I mean like, and I'm buying, I'm, you know, I'll do, I'll do, you know, special buys and different things and stuff that's hard to get or whatever. But so as much with as much wine as we drink, um, we still end up, it seems like we, can, we, <laughs> we receive it faster than we can get rid of it. But also with beer, like I tend to way over buy beer and I'm in mm. clubs with beer too. And I, I get access to like special buys. And, so you make beer and stuff. Constantly get beer, you constantly get wine. Yeah. But, but the problem with the beer was, so I had stacks of boxes in, of, of beer mm-hmm. um, next to, and I, I probably have a photo of this somewhere, but anyway, next to, the, next, like, next to where the wine cabinet is there. And this stack had just slowly, gr- over months, grown out into taking up that entire floor in the office. You couldn't, you couldn't walk, you couldn't get to, the, to behind the desk when you walked in the office door there. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, okay, and I knew, I've known for a very long time that there's a lot of this beer I'm just not going to drink. And some of it's, it, the, a lot, the problem is also, I knew, I knew, there's a lot of it that's just not really special. Like, like this is a good one. So we're drinking this Lagunitas Cappuccino Stout. This beer I probably had for I probably had this bottle for five years, four or five mm. years. Um, just you know, nothing special about it. Bought it at the store, you know, some probably some local store. It's not like it's uh, something that's not distro or whatever. You can get this, or used to be able to. And this was also before they were bought by whatever billion dollar company they were bought bought by. They're back when they were independent. Mm-hmm. But I've got all these things in, in there. None of them are gonna like if I brought this to a buddy's house when we're like. When we're gonna crack some beers, so to speak, I mean they're bringing you know every bottle is like they traded oh, yeah. you know something something that was worth a hundred dollars for and you know things that you can't get anywhere, no one can get. And I, if I walk in with this, I mean I, th- this would not get drank. You you cannot bring beers to these things that get drank unless they're you know these these whales. And I, so I've been to your to your little get-togethers, <laughs> and I I barely if I try some of their some of their beers, I take very little like a. Not too much because I just I don't I feel bad. I'm because I the know they're really way. expensive <laughs> and I don't have anything to bring yeah. that's going to compete with that. I'm the same way. Not only do I know they're expensive, but like I don't think they're worth like most of these beers. These guys are paying like a hundred bucks a bottle for these beers. I'm like, I, no, it's not. It's not worth that. I mean, I could I could sure. I mean, I could buy a hundred dollar bottle of beer. I just I don't think it's worth it. It's okay. It's you know, yeah, it tastes like a German chocolate shake or cake. You know, <laughs> that's liquefied into like brownie batter. Okay. I'd rather just, yeah, just like dessert, but I mean, like I'd want a half a sip of that and then I'm done. Then give me something that tastes like beer. You know, it's like, I don't know. Well, that's the I other just, side of it. A lot of them are pretty rich and there's only oh so God. much of it you can yeah. have. Like they're great tasters, but just sippers. sitting yeah. or sippers. Or yeah, tasters, but sitting good. down, having a full glass of one, is just like, no. Anyway, so I identified like, you know, 10, prob- probably, I don't know how many, um, somewhere between 150 and 200 bottles of beer. And now when I say bottles, I mean these like bombers, what are these, 23 ounce, up to like probably 750 milliliter bottles. Mm-hmm. Um, that I'm just like, I'm, and some of them are even, you know, arguably good or used to be good, like, you know, a Founders Canadian Breakfast Stout. Like I've got bottles of that. I've got bottles of Bourbon County that, that I'm just, I'm never going to, of the different varietals, I'm never, so I've, I've set it all aside and I'm now, now i got to figure out, okay, do I just give it away? Do I just post something on like Craigslist or do I post something on one of our local beer things and say, just, hey, whoever wants to come get Or just like, you know, give me, you know, two bucks a bottle or whatever, you know, something just so someone will come get some take it. Um, but then I thought, well, maybe, and I might, I might still do that. But then I was like, well, I should use these for podcast beers. 
There you go. Because they're good, and like you're not so <laughs> ridiculously snobby that you won't drink a, a good beer just because it's not a whale, you know? Right. And I'm not either. So like, hey, this is great. So I'm, I don't know, maybe we can slowly whittle this stack down. Because right now, this <laughs> is in my living room, the, like the front living room there. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I have like 10 boxes in there now that are these beers that like I'm not sure what I'm going to do with. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm going to keep moving around until my wife just, you know, lights, lights them on fire or something. <laughs> I don't know, or just throws them out in the street. Well, there you go. Turn them, anyway, into, turn them into candles. So this first one is, uh, it's a limited release, John. It's, it's a whale. It's rare. Because <laughs> it says right on the bottle, limited release. Oh. Yeah, logging no into cappuccino sound. Now, supposedly, coffee is one of those things that fades with time. And considering this is a many years old bottle, do you, do you still get the coffee? Yeah. Yeah, I still get it. I do too. And it's funny. I mean, this, this really does taste like a Russian imperial stout. I like some of these stouts mm -hmm. nowadays that just, again, taste like, you know, cake batter. Yeah. Um, this tastes like a stout beer. I still get I the coffee like too. I mean, even it just lingers yeah. as in the aftertaste that that kind of bitter coffeeness. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Uh, not you know we all love lightning, right? But but lightning still has you know things that the lightning is working on. We we all you know we all have things we're trying to improve on in life, and and lightning mm -hmm. is not exempt from that. And I was just reminded because you know I mean I'm like I'm not a I'm not a heavy Salesforce user. Like I don't I don't sell. I don't live in Salesforce. <laughs> Um, but I accidentally deleted a record the other day. I'm like, ah, shit, I deleted the wrong one. I, I was, I'd created a test contact <clears> I did, uh, for, for me, actually. Like, it was right. called Jeremy Test or something like that. And I ended up deleting my, and I was I want to get rid of it. And I ended up deleting my own contact record. It's like, ah, oh, crap. Got to undelete it. <laughs> so, so I'm like looking around, I'm like, okay. And I'm not like a lightning expert, but I'm like looking around for the recycle bin. Didn't find it, did you? Now, let me ask you this. <laughs> I, I know there's obscure things, and I do feel like, I've always said this, I feel like, you know, they, the, the Lightning team, teams, whatever, I'm sure it's many teams, you know, picked a fairly reasonable order to implement stuff in, which is why there's like a lot of stuff in setup that's still classic, because it's like, only admins see that. It's just lower priority. I get it. Um, but Recycle Bin? That's a concept that every, com you know, you know, lay computer user in the world knows how to use and, and needs mm -hmm. to be able to use. And a lot of these Salesforce users nowadays have never seen Classic. They started on Lightning and they've never, I mean, you, but you have to go to Classic to get to your recycle bin still? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So anyway, this is, this is, my, this is my entry for this week's installment of the, uh, the Lightning Experience WTF of the week. Can't get to recycle bin. Uh, don't you like how we start these something, some segment that's like something WTF of the week, and then it just we do it once and it never happens yeah. again. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, really, no recycle bin. That 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 was that's a shocker still. And I know people are yelling right now, but what about blah, blah, blah. I, I know there's like a thousand <laughs> other things, but that's just that's mine this week. Do you, would you like to add one, John? Or I don't think I have one. I don't have one right now. Yeah, I don't think I do. It's and these are these things like you don't think of until you just happen to like need it, and then you're like, oh crap, wow, that's crazy. I guess that's I don't there. think about it too much. I mean, I, I realized that gap was there, but I just I go, I, it's in classic. I'm sure that's where it's at. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, if there's a lot of features like even with um, field service lightning, field service lightning, right? It's lightning's in the name. Yep. But there are still <laughs> things you can't do in Lightning for field service. Like yeah. I needed to set up a skill, and I was I was instead of uh, going, where the hell can I set no, up a skill? That's when you have to go to field service classic. Yeah, I have to go to field service classic <laughs> to get to the skill. Uh, so okay, that'll be mine, mine, my my one of those. Uh, but pretty much everything in setup is still, for the most part, still classic. It's just kind of iframed in and. I've been having a lot of issues lately with it not refreshing correctly. So I'll add a field and the screen, it'll be blank in that section. And I have to refresh or go back into the object just to get to the field. And it's kind of annoying. I've been working on an internal project. 
that um, requires some lightning development. <clears throat> Watch out. I'm doing lightning development. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there's this thing where you can um, disable, oh, I don't know what they call it, disable like secure caching or some bullshit. Oh, yeah. And it's and I turned that off because supposedly that's like, yeah. that just when you're, especially when you're doing development, um, it doesn't, it's not so damn aggressive on caching. You can actually see your changes and, you know, Salesforce, it, it, they should call that um, the, that, that checkbox should be, um, check this and we will gaslight you all day long. Because <laughs> it's like, no, I swear, I, I just added this to the page, this field. And then like you refresh, refresh, and still not there. Like, oh, I'm going crazy. I'm really going nuts. And then like two minutes later, you look and it's there and it's like, okay, I'm going crazy. It happens with data too. That's the problem. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, you're right because yeah. sales. It's like um, it's like Lightning is using that something similar to that. The mobile SDK has that um, kind of like a caching framework built mm-hmm. into it. I don't. This is probably similar. It's like it's probably the same one. <laughs> probably just adapted. But, anyway, for but that, I, so I, yeah. I turned that off for our org, for our corporate org, and um, well, you shouldn't do it for production. Well, that's the thing. It's like it's a it's a global setting, as far as I can tell, right? Yeah, I mean, but it, the intent is that you do in a sandbox. That oh, developing. maybe that is what I'm. Maybe I'm doing a. Maybe, you know, it is yeah, a sandbox. Okay. I guess it must be a sandbox. But no, wait a minute. Maybe it was production because I feel like I was doing stuff with page layouts just right in production because I'm. What dragons? Well, what, Mister? Don't don't make changes in production. Is making changes in production. Um. So, so now that I say that it is a sandbox. It's called the Jeremy Two Sandbox. Oh, nice branded. Um. But but no, but I did it did make me stop and think like is there any way to do that just I just like I just just um, turn off caching for me mm-hmm. because I'm doing some development or I'm doing some testing or with something with some data and I and I don't want it to cache data or anything like is there a way to just say hey don't cache that for me no I don't think so it's org wide yeah yeah you can't do like a in the URL like question no cache equals one yeah <laughs> that'd be cool. <laughs> Do you ever it, just it, have you ever tried just random stuff? Like, I'm gonna try this. No cash equals one and see what it does. <laughs> no, I haven't. I've kind of I've kind of just how about, given um, up on on doing anything URL specific. How about you, it, like um like is admin equals one? <laughs> Do you think that works? <laughs> someone's gonna try it. I know. Uh, watch someone's gonna find a backdoor. Well, good. They can report it and get some money. Isn't there like a finder's fee for reporting bugs like that? Hey, tell me what the story is on being able to search formula fields. You are they can't. not searchable at all? I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. I know you can't group by them for sure. So I'm, I'm assuming you can't search by. So them search either. does so search does not index the value of, of the formula so. fields. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. It doesn't make sense that it would. Why, why does it not make sense that it would? Because it's a calc- It's technically a calculated field. It technically shouldn't it's really super exist. Useful. So here's my. It only use- exists in so the data my- as a, as a performance. So here's my use case consideration. I got a field, the, a formula field I created that for, that formats the phone numbers as this E one sixty four format because the CTI thing has to. That's what it's going to search with, mm-hmm. and it's searching based on those. But because apparently my formula field can't be searched, then it's not finding. So why that's does why that not make sense that you'd want to search formula fields? That's a great use case for searching formula fields. Because well, that's not the purpose of them. And you just write a trigger to update it or a pro- better a process builder mm. or a headless flow to do it. Yeah. Formulas make more sense. I mean, that's what a formula is for. It's, it's, it's purely based on another field. Like if you're, 
it, it cuts out on duplication <clears throat> and storage. Yeah, but the it's <clears throat> the it, it makes sense in your context because you're you're you in your head say that's not going to change. That should be indexable. But from a system perspective, you can't make that consideration. You can't say it's a formula field and that da data is not going to change because it's got dependencies on other data. Mm -hmm. right. So it, it doesn't make sense to index those fields from a it doesn't make sense but because because it's purely based on other fields it doesn't make sense to store that data and like i said i think that's just a performance consideration yeah. like if 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 hardware and cpu was was infinite you probably wouldn't but because of the constraint you do little tricks like cache the value and maybe you know only rebuild it whenever you need to speaking of hardware and cpu how did um, the spring is it spring 19 that rolled out how, how did that work out for you um actually i haven't really been using it <laughs> I mean, I've been developing what you don't on it, but I don't use Salesforce like you, so I, don't, I can't. Uh, I, yeah, I'm such a heavy Salesforce user. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just noticed. Um, I think it was a Monday. I was doing some work, and it just like stuff was slow. Mm. I did notice something with the latest <clears throat> Luminate Cloud, and I don't know if that's just me, and I'm not noticing something. But normally, when I rebuild, uh, when I rebuild the symbol table for just S objects, I have to refresh my project. These last few times that I did it, it didn't. But if I do a full, I do have to reload my project. But if I just do S objects, I don't have to. And I went back and combed the release notes looking to see if it was listed there as, as a new feature, but wasn't. But whether it's a bug or not, I like it because I always have to rebuild just to get all the new field changes and everything, and I have to restart my project. So, Really? It takes like, like five seconds no, to, it to restart the project? No, to rebuild it, to rebuild it, and then restart. It's just, oh. it's just a, it, it's a break in my process flow, or yeah. whatever you want to call it. I, I know, and like, a, I mean, I guess it depends on how willing you are to have stuff out of date. I mean, how often are you having to to, to do that? Uh, depends on where we're at in the project. There's yeah. probably constant config going on. Like for example, on if you had a custom field, and then you want, if you want your you know, auto, your auto complete, your IntelliSense, whatever the hell it's called, to, to complete that field for you. Yeah, you're gonna have to. Yeah, I don't like seeing red, so <laughs> I know. so I have to fix that. Yeah, I have to. I have to go ahead and update it. I've been seeing so much red recently, but that's because I'm on a project where they did some really, really stupid things with the code. Really stupid things, mm. and so there's a lot of red. Yeah. Um, let's say, you know, that whole symbol table thing, and I, it's just because. Oh, it, it's Salesforce. But it's it's a shame that I have to care what my symbol table is. Yeah, I, and I know tooling people have to worry about that. It's a tooling thing. Mm -hmm. But say he's just a Salesforce developer <laughs> <laughs> who did a couple trailheads. You know, um, I shouldn't have to care what a symbol table is. Why do I even know what a symbol table is? And why is my ID asking me to do you, what, if I want to do something about a symbol table? I have no idea. Why are you asking me that? I don't know. <laughs> now, of course, I kind of do know a little bit what a symbol table is and how it's what they're for in, in the tooling, Salesforce tooling world. But a lot of developers don't and don't need to and shouldn't have to. It's just like some, it seems like one of those things like, yeah, just, I don't know, you figure that out. I don't know if I need a symbol table. That's, a, that's an implementation detail that I don't want to care about right now. But it, it's such an intensive process that it can't just automatically handle it for you because it's just, it's just going to sit in the background Salesforce. and eat up CPU cycles. But... And I mean, as much as I, I mean, like, does uh, does Visual Studio ask you if you want to constantly, um, you know, rebuild your caches and? Uh, it doesn't whatever? go. It doesn't go as far as as Lumi You Cloud. can't do this with Salesforce. It, it doesn't. It doesn't try to help you out like that. It's basically a text editor. I think there's what some. 
Visual Studio? Yeah. I think there's some... Visual Studio is basically a text editor. I'm sorry, Visual Studio Code. I thought you were referencing to the Visual Studio Code plugin for Oh, even Salesforce. VS Code. If you're doing .NET work in VS Code, you don't have to say, oh, you know what? You need to recompile my no, classes no, for No, it me. doesn't. And no, it knows all but that. That's it, all like, local. it doesn't bother you with that's that. That's all local. It doesn't have to... I mean, it's, it's a split second to, to update something, so yep. it just does it as it yep. goes. Right. And even for your, for your local classes, for example, Luminate Cloud is doing that on the fly. It's, it's not having to, you're not having to tell it to generate symbol tables. It's just the fact that it has to go to Salesforce, grab the metadata, bring it down, and make sure everything is, is linked up correctly. That's the only reason that exists. Uh, for all your local stuff, it knows. It, it handles it just like any other IDE. Right, yeah, yeah. And a lot of that, I think, is just, uh, is just IntelliJ. Like, if you have CSS or whatever, it's, um, it just, yeah, it, it scans all those automatically in the background. It'd be cool if... Um, if Salesforce had some kind of like you know webhook or something, so that when anything changes, it would affect your symbol table. It just it just pings your ID and says, "Hey, here you go. This just changed." Oh, maybe we'll get there. I mean, that'd be. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, that again, that 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 would stuff like that is what's neat. If Salesforce is going to keep this like, hey, you can't have any kind of runtime on your machine. It's only cloud, and we have this constant problem of well, is what on my is what. Is in my on my hard drive? Is that the is that the same thing that's in the cloud? Because it's not. It's not. It it almost never is. Mm-hmm. And so you're working with differences that may or may not cause you problems, and you won't know until you try to like run all tests or deploy to production or something like that. Uh, but as long as we have that problem, we're going to need to be solving that problem, which is a which will never get fully solved. It'll always you know it's just always going to be one of those, those things you chase. Yeah. But if it's things like that, I think would make it better. <clears throat> Like if, um, just like how, you know, like it, it, with Illuminated Cloud, if you, if you, if you open the logging tab, mm-hmm. it opens, actually it doesn't, it doesn't pull. It does like, I think it, it sets like your trace flags, but it's, that's actually, that's one thing that annoys me about that logging tab is I'll open it and mm-hmm. it'll set the trace flags or whatever, but then I've got to hit refresh to actually see if they need new log, right? Do they, yeah. they don't come out automatically, do they? No. You gotta refresh. Yeah, and that's like one of those things that, that I mean, again, if we if we're gonna have a tooling API, like, yeah, like let me register for events as a as a tool as a tool. So that when important stuff happens that I need to know about, like you're just you're pinging me. You're just like sending events down the wire. So that I know that my symbol table changed or that I've got a new log or whatever. Like this is just kind I, of I struggle with stuff having, you expect. I struggle with with the idea of having too much automate auto, too much automation coming into the IDE because I just think it'll get overwhelming. It's Especially, not automation. It's just that stuff that if you're developing, if you've been a developer with any other platform, right? Even you know yeah. over the past decades, like that, you just would expect. Like, it's it's stuff that's like it it's it it violates the principle of least surprises. Like, oh wow, I my logs don't show up automatically, or oh wow, I have to like, you don't know my class has changed or my my data thing changed. I got to tell you, and then I got to like answer these questions about my symbol. Ta- really, what? Huh? Yeah. Like you say, you're scared of that automation. I I want all that. I don't want to worry about any of that crap. I mean, I'm working in the realm of Apex classes and triggers and lightning components. I don't yeah. want to. I don't. Really, I don't want to live in the world of tooling API. That's not my job. I'm not building the next illuminated cloud. I'm building stuff for clients and stuff for my employer's org and stuff and stuff for ISVs. I'm not building tools at this point. I know. I just. I just think, given the limitations and the the amount of time it takes to, to get that data from Salesforce. I mean, if it was a quick ping, you ping Salesforce and it comes back in a millisecond with all the data you need, there'd probably be no issue. It probably would be hidden from you. But the fact that you, when you do it, even if you're just grabbing the metadata for the S objects, it takes a minute just to, to collect that information 
before it even gets a chance to parse it and put it into the symbol table, I mean, that's that's a huge expense. Yeah, and the other thing is, I mean, <clears throat> in, in bigger orgs, I mean, it's actually a lot. Your metadata is a lot of data. Yeah. it's I think it can be, can be you know, dozens or hundreds of megabytes of stuff. But again, it, it'd have to be something where the Salesforce could stream diff, basically diffs to like the symbol table to the tool or whatever. Yeah, it would be nice if you could just kind of, you know, initiate the request, open up some kind of stream and just get it streamed in and you can continue to work in the background and do whatever you want and it just, when it's done, it's done. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to know at all. I don't, I don't want to see that. Yeah. I don't even want to see the thing that says updating symbol table on the bottom. Like, I, don't, I like the updating indexes and re- rebuilding cat. I don't want to see any of that stuff. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I guess, and that's what, you know, like on, you know, do, do computers still have little blinkity blinkies to let you know that your hard drive is accessing things? No, it's like, no. nowadays it's just like, I don't know. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. That's a good point. You're just yeah. wasting my, you're wasting my brain. You're, you're distracting me. My eyes went to that and you distracted me from what I was doing. Because yeah. you're blinking shit in my face here that I don't care about. That's not my job. And if I have to care about it, something has gone really wrong. Like, it, you know, did my hard drive crash? Like, something has gone wrong if that light's just, like, freaking out. Or if, like, you know, or if something's stuck on rebuilding indexes or something like that. Like, well, I don't even know what that means. And I sure as hell don't know how to fix it. But it's stuck, and it's, like, bringing down my ID, so now i got to, like, force quit my ID or something. And, you know, it's, like, it's only... The only time I ever care, would care about that is if it's if you're just going to kill my whole system, or if, you know. But but I should never. I, that's my point is like I shouldn't. I shouldn't have to deal with that. Yeah. Because because there, there's nothing I can do about it anyway. Like if it goes bad, it goes bad. I got to force quit. And I'll start over. If it's going good, then I definitely don't want to see it. Yeah. Well, I mean the fair points. I just I, I think we're just. I think that I, I like to think that we're on a path to get to that point. But I mean, this is still a very. I'm just going to say it's a very new world of of building something where the compiler isn't local. I mean, like it's cars used to have um, oil pressure gauges. Now some probably still do, but does your car have an oil pressure gauge? Uh, I, it has some kind of oil gauge. I, I guess that's whether or not I have oil. <laughs> <laughs> you, you forgot to put your dip. Your uh, what's the plug in the bottom? Oh, the the drain plug or <laughs> yeah. something. Yeah, I know. Sorry, Mike. It's uh, I'm I got to watch my language. <laughs> It's been, yeah, it's it's been a day. Which, yes, I don't think I finished saying this, but you know, I got the best sleep last night that I've had in forever. But I'm still, I'm, I'm exhausted, which is weird. Oh, we popped the stack to sleeping. We did. I know exactly. <laughs> That's, that, we that was one hell of a rat hole, wasn't it? <laughs> and we have, by the way, we haven't gotten to a single actual topic yet. I know, which is fine because we don't have shit for topics. There's number four. Number four. <laughs> I'll be the clean one today. Yeah. <laughs> the clean one. <laughs> um, what else? What do we have, John? What What is on? I I I, um, I task you with being our ta- with our our topic master for today. Yeah. Well, I wanted to follow up at least on our conversation last week because I thought that was a pretty interesting conversation on what to call a transaction and what the differences were. And if for nothing else, because I think words matter. I mean, when we when we try to communicate something, words do matter. When we try to communicate something, it's 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 helpful to be able to understand things exactly. the same way. Because I'm tired of having like I, you know I don't want people to have to like, constantly interpret me like they do you when you talk about like what do you talk about like CSS tags what and yeah all well, these things you say I'm just like and I know what you mean because I've known you for 20 years but like um, yeah, <laughs> like words matter we should call things yeah. by their right name and like so we can well that's have what happens when you're self taught you just you call things by the way you understand I'm them ever until someone that's someone corrects you and then you're like oh so that's what that's what industry people call it I should call it that so I sound smart. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, it's this new thing called a CSS class. 
It's a tag. Yeah. <laughs> it goes and in. I still wonder, um, in fact, I was reading, I think I keep so- calling element attributes properties for the most part. I still do that. Well, that, and I know why you do that. That's because like a, an HTML, I think they're called HTML tags, but they're attributes. Um, so it's and, not an element, it's a tag? Fact, and in fact, um, XML element, XML attributes. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of those, especially in the in the JavaScript world, especially if you're using um, the DOM API, which you can use on both XML and HTML documents. Um, in in they're actually they're properties. They're called properties through the JavaScript API. No, oh. but you'll you'll know this if you've done any of these um, modern web frameworks. But properties are not the same thing as attributes. <laughs> Right. They're oftentimes the same thing, but they're not always the same thing. Um, attributes, I believe, they get set and their values don't change, whereas properties, I'm going to get this completely wrong, but properties actually are like these updatable things. Mm-hmm. And sometimes attributes will set the initial value of the property of the same name. Right. <laughs> it's, it is, it's confusing. Um, um, so, so we got a couple of things when we're talking about transactions, because there is a database transaction, and that's, that's one thing. But in terms of just the execution context of your Apex, the consensus seems to be that it's either an Apex transaction or an Apex context. And that's what, that's what you would refer to that as. Yeah, let's see. Um, let me see if I can search here and find some things. So I thought, I thought huh, no, I'm not going to find it. I thought I had searched and found some. But the stuff. Govern, the governor limits. So if you look at the documentation for governor limits, it refers to it as apex transactions. So it's apex transactions and governor limits. Um, but we also got some feedback saying that off, that sometimes context is also used. Yeah, the documentation is not is a, a bad offender of this of this poor use of terminology here. Um, and and I while so, th- I guess if you if you say the term apex transaction. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe you're distinguishing distinguishing between an apex transaction and a database transaction because again they're different they're different things, right? Um, one of them may live in the other, and one of them may affect the other, mm-hmm. but they are different things. And sometimes you need to re- you need to talk about one thing, and sometimes you need to talk about the other thing. And sometimes it really doesn't matter which one you're talking about. But in fact, most of the time it probably doesn't matter. But sometimes it actually does. Well, for 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 our purposes as as developers, what we really care about is the context in which governor limits are calculated, because that that's really yes, the crux of which it. Which usually actually are beyond the database transaction, right? And so, I mean, for for our purposes, I, what I really care about is is the transaction that represents the counter for my governor limits. You know, how many yeah. queries have I ran during right. this this transaction? Right. Because you can you can roll back <clears throat> your database transaction, sure. But you didn't roll back your Apex transaction. Those governor limits are still in play. Right. Um, you can you can uh, insert a new a- account record and then make a callout. Your Apex transaction is still open, but that database transaction closed the moment you started that callout. Right. And you will find that out if after the callout you attempt to do any other DML. <laughs> <laughs> the system is happy to let you know yeah. that you cannot do that. Um, so yeah, so Apex context... Um, Apex execution are those different? Just kind of like I think those are just variations of it. I, I, I'm not a fan of Apex execution. I'm not a yeah, fan of that one. Like, that sounds like you're killing someone with Apex. I'm actually more of a fan <laughs> of Apex transaction than I am of Apex context. Um, just because the context kind of denotes a 
a state to me. And I, I guess technically in what I care about governor limits, that is kind of the state of the transaction. Oh, totally. There's a ton of state in an, yes, in an execution or, but it just, yeah. the transaction just seems like a more, it, it's, it flows easier than to say context. Right. right. And the, and the apex context, again, this is, I think this is very much behind the scenes terminology, but I think apex context sounds like it's a thing and it, and it, it's what holds like your limits and statics and things like that. Because again, remember between, you know, executions, whatever we want to call these things, mm-hmm. statics go away, which is which is one of the weirdest things if you're like a Java or probably .NET developer that you're not used to. Because when like a v, when the VM loads, and you're you know you the first thing that happens is just tons of static static start getting initialized. But in, but in, but also at runtime, like the first time you reference a class, that's when it's that's when all its statics fire. Right. Um, and they're they're there, and they won't run again. Like if you have a static initializer, it'll run as soon as that class is first reference. It will not run again for the lifetime of that VM. And what the, what you have to learn in the Salesforce world is every time there's an execution, your statics are going to run, mm-hmm. whether that's just initialize, you know, like field initialization or static initializers. They're all going to run again. All right. Um, and 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 you have to you have to understand the concept that even though like between two different requests. You might initialize a, a static with some some variable, some value, um, and the next time that runs, that va- that value is not going to be there, right? Unless you're just unless you just have a unless something that's hard coded to assign it the same thing. But yeah, your statics don't don't hold over between requests at all, which is again, if you're a .NET or I think Java developer, you that's that's probably something that's weird for you at first. It was for me for sure. The the context thing now that we've been talking about it is actually making more sense to me because. I think I think within an apex transaction, if I can if I can do this, if I can do this and be correct, within an apex transaction, I think it's possible to have multiple contexts because you can have your your local environment namespace, and you could have a managed package namespace, each with its own context, right? So you kick something off, you you insert a an account that fires off a trigger that starts an apex transaction, but within that transaction, there's there's different limits. You have your Manage package limits. It's running stuff, and it's got its own limitations. And then you have your code, which is in the, I don't know, the global system namespace, whatever you want to call that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's got its own limits. So the context in that perspective makes sense. So you have a transaction limits, though, too, though, right? There's overlapping limits. Yeah, there. I guess there are. So you, yeah, <laughs> but it's the same context. I mean, it's just that context is 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 managing, is monitoring unmanaged code limits and also managed code limits in the same context. Okay. I was thinking it would split off. Each one would be its own context within a transaction, but again, it depends on what you mean by context. But yeah. at some point, there's some overarching context that's that's managing all the different sets of limits because some of them, I think, are cumulative. Like some, some in some cases, like the managed code doesn't hurt or count against like unmanaged. Mm. In fact, each namespace essentially gets its own set of certain limits. Let's say it's the let's say it's the the number of Sockwell queries you can make. Um, and I'm, I think this is one of those ones that each namespace gets its own limits. But each, mm-hmm. so let's say that each, each namespace can mm-hmm. call, um, can make 100 Sockwell queries. If you have two managed packages that get invoked, each one of those can do 100 each, so that's 200. But also your unmanaged namespace is also kind of a namespace, and it gets its 100. So cumulatively in that transaction, or this context, I guess, which may also be in the transaction, that you can do 300 queries. All right, yeah. This stuff is all 
It's all confusing, confusing, but it'd be cool if they did like it at DX or something. If they did, if someone did like a, hey, here's all the behind the scenes stuff that you guys always think you know what you're talking about and you're guessing about. Like, let us just tell you what the hell's happening here. That'd be really cool. Or, or someone just came on the Good Day Sir podcast show and and did that. That, that too. <laughs> that too. Um. And, and I've, but I've, it would have to be one of the. It'd have to be an, a lengthy session. It'd have to be like a two hour long session because there's no way you're gonna you're gonna pick a topic like that and try to cover it in thirty minutes and then say bye everyone. We'd have to not not drink until the second hour started. No, you drink during that way, the conversation gets lively. I guess so. and, and then they 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 start oversharing. You know. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've I've talked to a couple of certain people about coming on the show, um, and they know who they are, and we'll we'll. I'd still like that to happen. It's just a, it's a timing thing, I think, for a lot of these people. Everyone's so busy. Yeah, but I'm, I know we have lots of PMs and stuff that listen to the show. And if I just I'd put a generic invite out there that if anyone thinks it would be fun and they'd like to share, um, obviously what they can share, um, right? Yeah, that'd be that'd be fun. We we would definitely entertain that. Yeah. Um. So we got a community topic. If we can <clears throat> switch gears, and that was it's a topic that we've covered a lot of times, which is kind of how hard it is to hire a good a good person in this ecosystem just because it's you know as salesforce claims that there's 5 million developers it's really not 5 million developers or if if they are people are wanting the the top 1% um and those are there's not that many and they're very expensive um so it's kind of creating a shortage in demand in the in the ecosystem for that kind of stuff um i don't know i mean what's your what what, what is your take on Who's available out there? Because I know you've been hiring. What are you seeing? Are you seeing like are you seeing like a lot of good candidates, but they just don't have enough experience for what you need? Or are you seeing not enough good candidates on anything, and you're just it's just a wasteland? I mean, I don't know. So first of all, I mean, the general employment market is we're basically at zero unemployment. Everyone's employed, so be prepared to have to. You know, poach people away from their. You know, everyone has a job. You know, I've been seeing that a lot. Um, I've been getting even even as I transitioned to my new role. Um, there was emails as soon as that happened, coming saying, "I know you just joined, but I'd love to talk to you about this opportunity. I'd love to talk about this opportunity." Mm-hmm. I've I'd had like three or four of those on on average a week. Um, so yeah, people are really aggressive about trying to find people, and they're willing to poach for sure. Yep. Um, but that being said, I mean. I mean, in terms of like, let's like, if you think of like developers, I mean, I mean, yeah, I would say Salesforce is a would, is a is a good space to be in right now. But I mean, a a really good Salesforce developer is not making more money than a really good Java developer. They're both hard to find, and they're both going to be very gainfully employed already. And you're going to have to offer either more money or a better a better work situation somehow or another. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think on top of just the money and the benefits is is definitely definitely talking about your environment and just kind of what that's like because I th- I think I think for a lot of people, you know, they might be happy where they're at with their pay, with their benefits, but you know, if you can show them a better environment or, you know, better work-life balance and all those kind of things and and be honest about it. <laughs> uh I think I think those things will resonate with people. Um, but speaking of of just developers and people transitioning, um, I do want to give a shout out to friend of the show Christy because uh, she's been working on. So she's, I don't know what her background is, but I, I've always known her as being a you know an admin, you know, someone who goes in the system and configures and everything. But she's um, recently been getting into doing some Lightning component development, and I 
just wanted to applaud her efforts on that. She actually did a pretty good job. She's been I saw that. She's been asking yeah. questions yeah. on the community and posting pictures of her component. And I, I gotta say, it's 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 well done, at least yeah. from from the look and feel of it. You know, I've seen worse things from more experienced people for yeah. sure. No, that's. <laughs> and you're referring to Christy Campbell. That's right. I to make yeah. sure I got the the new name recently revised last name correct. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I, I like seeing those kind of things because I, you know, I, I know I've talked about my kind of career path before and how I kind of stumbled into it, but I, I kind of, I kinda, took those kinda, risks. Kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of. Hey, you got your S word. I I'm got just, my K I'm word. Just letting you know. <laughs> Ooh, this is, I like this. Have you tried this? No. This is Thread Spinner. Number eight, limited release from, uh, this is from Lakewood here in the Dallas area. It's a barrel, sorry, bourbon barrel aged American barley wine. Yeah. You ever heard that bottle yeah. is slightly taller. Can you see that? Yeah. There's this phrase, barley wine is life. You'll see that like B-I, is that B-I-L? Yeah, B-I. You'll see people hashtag B-I-L, barley wine is life. That's what all the barley wine lovers, that's their thing. Oh, I don't, I don't. I got a lot of coconut on, on this, and I think that's just, I don't think there's any coconut in it. It just. Mm. No, I'm getting something. I'm getting soy sauce. Why am I getting soy sauce? Um, I can maybe see a little soy sauce. I'm getting soy sauce, yeah. That kind of aftertaste, that kind of brown, earthy flavor in yeah. your mouth. I mean, yeah. look at the color. So interesting. You can give me some rice. I'll put this on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I applaud anyone who's out there, you know, willing to stretch and get into to you know developing a component because I, I think that's a gateway. I think I think you'll find that you like it, enjoy it, and it's a new skill. And oh, I wouldn't say that. You might find that you hate it. It's a disaster, and. Like give me, but it's an experience that you gain. It's an experience oh, you have totally by great. by by stretching, putting yourself out there into the great unknown, and saying, "Can I do this? And am I going to enjoy doing?" Totally this? right. I just don't think you can say, "I think you'll find you'll love it." I think oh. you. I think a lot of people find that they don't love well, it. Well, I'm biased because I did it and I found I loved it. Uh, so yeah, you know, I yeah, like I code. Yeah, I like you like your code, huh? I like my code. Yeah, my figures, code is awesome. Figures. Can I tell you about my code, like, John? You've told us about your code so much over the years. I thought you liked hearing about my code. <laughs> <laughs> I just like hearing you say my code, my code. <laughs> so I, 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 I kind of been questioning myself lately because I've been designing some things and they sound simple on paper. They're, you know, I had to, I had to write this. At, are you sure they don't look simple on paper? They sound, no, because I never got paper. They just, it, they gave me the requirements and it sounded simple. Okay. But this and they never were on paper. I'm just, just trying to keep the facts straight here, John. <laughs> I'm playing detective. You know I've been, I've been you, watching True Detective, so I'm catching you. I'm catching you your lies here. I, I'm, I, I'm picking across, apart your statements. Yeah, I would suck on the on a lawyer. <laughs> I was going to say lawyer stand <laughs> on the defendant stand or the stand. What did you just call it? The defendant stand. What is that? <laughs> the defendant stand is what oh, I was defendant. trying to say. But uh, the witness stand. The witness stand. There you go. <laughs> I don't know what these things are called. <laughs> oh, man, you didn't watch near enough people's court. No, I watch Columbo. I never get to you're, the. You're I never the, get to the. You're of room. the age you should have. You should have had many hours of Judge Wapner in your life. Mm -mm. And Doug, what was it? What was the in, the guy that would introduce everything? Doug Doug Llewellyn is that, or is it Doug something else? I don't know. Wait a minute. What 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 is, what is it called? Yeah, Doug Llewellyn. People's Court. Night Court? Come on. No. Oh my God! No, Night Court's a comedy. I know. Night, which I, was a great show, by the way. Yeah, I don't watch People Courts. I'll, I'll watch Night Court. Okay, I'll continue. I forgot what I was right, talking. No, you're talking about your, your your fake story about how. Oh, my fake story. The paper, about my... Something on the paper sounded. <laughs> Keep going. All right. So, so essentially, I had to write a 
a, a routine, an automation routine that would run monthly that would go out and aggregate a bunch of products by group, they would have to first summarize everything at a company level, and they would have to summarize everything at, at an account level. And the idea is that I would grab a sample set of data, in this case going back six months, and I would aggregate that, and that way we could trend it and show, you know, on average people are buying this, so on this new deal you got going on, this is what you should be looking to sell. It's just, it's just, it's just a way to kind of provide some indicators. Um, I ended up with five classes and six test classes. And I, I think back to, to how I would have written that probably five years ago. It would have been one big class. And it would have had a lot of methods in it, but it would have been one big class. But one thing I started doing probably in the last six months or so is I've told myself not to be afraid to create too many classes. Oh, you should be afraid to because you are dealing with Salesforce. And I, you're, I know, I know. Apex that's and, always that's yeah. always why I would have that big monolithic class because I didn't want to have to manage. No, you had that the many. big monolithic class back then because you didn't know what you were doing. No, it was because I was afraid of creating five classes for this one thing that should be. You mean in Salesforce land? In Salesforce. Land. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. sure, yeah. No, no you, and, should, you should be afraid. Yeah, you no, should, in no, other languages, I'll think, create classes all oh, day. No, you I'll, should, I'll you have should. like ten different namespaces. For for one thing, I'll no, I mean you. It's it's totally in in normal programming land. It's totally okay to have like a tokenizer class that's like four lines, because it does one thing and does it well, and it needs to be its own class. Yeah. In the Salesforce world, you think long and hard about these things. <clears throat> yeah. Because even apps that for some that are like a, I've I've got you know, a client who's a relatively pretty small ISV with a relatively modest product. Which is, I mean, I mean, the upper hundreds of classes, mm-hmm. and it really in a it in a, in another language, it would have been, it would have been probably a couple of dozen packages with all with their own sub packages, sub namespaces, and it, it would have been thousands of classes. And right now, there's like way too much single responsibility principle being violated. You know, classes that are pages and pages and pages long, and that, yeah. that just do too much stuff and they're hard to test and, and in fact they're not tested well because they can be tested well. I mean, it's just, this is the problem you run up against. So, but you do need to think about, you know, hey, I have, I have one namespace here that every class, not only just my classes, my classes, <laughs> but every <laughs> other guy's classes too. Every other commercial package we install, every, where we enable some feature and Salesforce magically dumps more classes into our thing, you know, which mm-hmm. they like to do. I mean, you're all sharing the same space. Yeah. And you got to, when you're looking for your little tokenizer thing, you're gonna have to search across all these classes to find your little tokenizer thing. Yeah. So no. maybe it just should have been part of the bigger, you know, God class. Maybe you just have a God class. <laughs> maybe that's. Be- I mean, I'm not kidding. Like maybe a God that's table? better. Maybe that's better. <laughs> like a God table where all your data is in one table. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, it's just this is the world that we're living in right now. Well, like I said, I, I, I've I've changed that mentality to try to to say, you know what, it's okay to have five classes for. Hey, this. John, how's the stream going? Still on, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. People say they can't hear anything. Hello, hello. Oh, you, did you knock off the Scarlet? I didn't knock. Oh, the plug got pulled. Yeah, that's a, that's a wonderful USB C, isn't it, John? Oh, that's get all USB C. Okay, I'll have to watch that. USB C should not be used for anything that matters to anyone. Well, what no? What happened is no, it comes out. And you can't. You don't even know about it. Nothing locks in. Nothing snaps in. It's it's got a good, it's garbage. It's got it's a garbage. tight fit on no, mine. It no, it it's got a tight fit on mine. The no, problem is, you see, you see this edge right here. I moved my computer and it snagged on the bottom yeah, and tugged sure. on it, and it just comes right out because it's USB C. Well, mine's not as loose as yours. I, mean, I can. I'll just be sitting like with at home with my laptop on my lap, sitting on the couch. 
And if I if my leg just barely taps like the my charging cable, it like I hear the ding, and they get and then two seconds ding comes comes right back on, and starts charging again. It's mm. it's just it's a mess. And don't even sneeze anywhere near over here because our whole recording will be effed. I mean, I've I've I've, I've hit my just a fist on my desk too hard, and it. I'm just gonna get. I'm just gonna now. get a dedicated Mac Mini for all of this setup, and it'll just run, and we just, won't be able to bump just it. Just don't do USB or don't do USB C. All right. Well, sorry about the audio. What was I talking about? Oh, so my classes. So I, I told myself my classes. It's okay. It's okay to have. It's okay to have classes. It's okay. I've been, I've been telling myself, and it, it's worked out beautifully. Well, of course, it's okay to have. I mean, classes. there are instances where there are instances. What do you mean it's okay to have classes? It's okay to have more than one class. Thank you. Words matter, John. Say what you mean. Jesus, that's not what you said. I'm you just really want, on me today. No, I want you to be. I want people to understand what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I told myself it was okay to have have more classes, and it's. I there have been instances where I went too far, and I had too many classes, and I had to consolidate, which is fine. Uh, too many in what way? You you lost you lost cohesion. Yeah, I, I tried to abstract. Really, things. you got so far that you you. you... Uh, no, it was just that the decisions I was making. Um, or you just had you ended up with you ended up polluting your namespace too much. Not so much that it was just that. So I, I you know a job class for instance I would break out my my batch class and I would have a separate scheduler class and now those are combined. It's it's just things like that where it, you don't really which, which you know you I, want to, you want to talk about clean code clean code says that shouldn't be the same class. I know I know but it's just like one of those things where okay yes it shouldn't be but I'm just going to put them yeah. in one it's easy. You know, yeah, it's either clean code or it's not, John. It's a, it is or isn't. Yeah, <laughs> it's balance. There's no black and white. It's just there's. You yeah, just gotta have yeah. a strike a balance, and that's the balance I struck. But that's just one example. There's other instances where I, I move things out, and it just made it harder to work with that data because then I had to start passing more data around than I needed than I wanted to, and so I brought certain methods back into this larger class. So I wouldn't have to do that so much. Um, but in this case, um, I did it. Some requirements changed. And because of the way I designed it, knowing that there was so much overlap in logic and, and the way the calculations worked and where things were, it made it really easy to modify. And my even though I had to write more test classes because I had more classes and I like to make sure that each class has its own test for the most part, there are a few exceptions to that rule. In each my class head. has its own test class. Right. Okay. So I have a I have a trigger handler that, that knows how to handle the on after update, on insert, and I would have a specific test for that. Now that wouldn't care about the end result. All that would care about is that I can send it the data and it would make the decisions. It would identify that, oh, this changed, so I need to I need to care about this. That's all I care about. I don't care that the logic is right because I have another test class that tests that. Um, so anyways, it, 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 I, I found that I like it better. I'm able to not only modify code better, I'm, I'm able to tailor my testing methods to basic, very basic scenarios so that because one of the problems I had with my monolithic class is every test that I would have to do had to basically set up this entire data set. But because I abstracted things in smaller sets, I was able to kind of just pass it an object of data mm. that's not even in the system and, and validate my calculations are correct or validate these scenarios are correct without having to go into DML and all that kind of stuff. There, there are other classes that do do that, but at least I know once that's tested that my calculations are right. And now it's just a matter of whether or not the data is getting saved correctly or getting queried correctly. And so it made things a little bit easier in my head to at least go back and read it, modify it, especially when changes came out. The big classes, I had a hard time going back in and maintaining. Even though I understood exactly what it was doing at the time and it made sense to me, 
coming back and trying to read a big class just was daunting. Sure. I'll, you know, another <clears throat> uh, one key that your class is too big, mm -hmm. um, I will say that if you're using the, what's it called test visible or visible in test or something like that 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 um, the attri the um, are they called attributes in Apex or are they called annotations? Uh, I think they're called annotations. Annotations. Okay. Yeah. Um, if you're having to use the test visible, there, there's I would say a, probably a 99 percent chance that you something in the class you're trying to test needs to be its own class. Mm. Um, I extremely rarely use test visible and need to use it. And the times when I do think, ah, oh, crap, I don't know how I'm going to test this. I'm going to use test visible. I'm like, oh, no, this just needs to be its own class. Like this little tokenizer thing that I'm doing in this private method <laughs> needs to be a public class with a public API on yeah. it, which can be tested. Right. Um, the nice thing is, is you can, you can beat it up with all kinds of different scenarios without having to set up some DML to do that because it's, it's, higher, it's higher up. It's easier accessible. A lot of times you're completely outside of the world of actual the database and DML now because like you, yeah. it's, it's a thing that just um, you're passing data to. It does, it's right. not actually interacting with... But you know, you know, you mentioned the thing where like for your, like your trigger handler type thing that's like basically those are kind of like you can think of them as dispatchers in a way, right? Um, I actually don't, but this, I don't test those directly. I don't unit test those. Because this goes back to, and I went, I moved this years ago for my Salesforce development. I don't do a lot of unit testing. I'm mainly doing mm. um, integration testing. I'm testing endpoints. I'm testing. I mean, if I'm if I can test the, um, if I can test my all of my uh, Visual Force controller, what are they called? Action methods, my triggers, um. My uh, my my web service endpoints, I can cover everything. I and mean, what else can I what I can what can I not cover? If I have code that you can't get to from those things, or, or, or I'm mean, basically all the entry points, batch classes, whatever, all the things that can start an apex execution, those are all the endpoints, and that's what I care about. Is so those start and then they run, and then I get the right value back. Um, now, no, there is value for unit testing. I'm not saying there's not some value to unit testing. Yeah, and TDD is a whole different thing. I don't even want to talk about that. Because um, unit testing, if you have a good unit test coverage, I guess, library. Um, it, unit tests will tell you more specifically where your problem is sometimes. Right. Um, the problem is that you have to have, for a big code base, you get it, well, first of all, in the Salesforce world, it's actually, it can get hard to do unit. It's actually very hard to do. Sometimes it's not even worth to do unit testing. But also, um, if you do, if your goal is to have like full unit test coverage, um, it takes engineers that are almost impossible to find in the Salesforce world that can create you a you know a full comprehensive unit test suite, which is going to be hundreds or thousands of unit tests um, that that are engineered well, so that when you have created a you've created a bug, that ideally you have like one unit test that fails. Okay, if you didn't right. do it right, you you could have dozens or hundreds of tests that fail because one thing went wrong. And that just, it requires a level of engineering skills that are just generally not available. And, and on, again, I, I, my thing is on the Salesforce platform, is they're just not that valuable. Um, well, not, and, and the cost of them. Right, the, the cost, cost of them is the so high. Issue. Um, namespace, the, just the global namespace being, being, namespace pollution being one of the big, one of the big costs. Mm -hmm. And because like you, I don't, I don't want to embed my tests in production classes. I really would like to have those as separate classes. And, and again, so we just have one namespace here. So just for lots of reasons, 
I just definitely err towards the side of integration slash functional tests, or I guess whatever, and more end-to-end tests. And if I can have end-to-end, good end-to-end test coverage that shows that for all my inputs, I'm getting the right outputs, it's systems doing the right thing, um, I'm pretty happy. I feel like I have a good, I feel like I have good coverage. And I'm, I'm confident that I can give a task to an engineer and say, hey, go implement this thing. And if they break something, we're going to know about it because of my, because of that type of test coverage that I, that I like to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I just, I, I think for my personal style, I, I tend to want to test things at a more granular level because I feel better about it. I feel like if I can create these layers of, of testing where the lower levels get tested and those are validated with very specific scenarios that I feel like my higher level can be a little more, um, more integration, like where I'm mm-hmm. just, inputting data into the system and getting it out and making sure the values are right. I feel like I have like this safety net, I guess, like I'm building walls here and they're, they're my safety net. Yeah. It's going to take a lot to get, get through and, and break that. Or if it does break, I know exactly where it's at. Yeah. Th- yeah. I mean, again, I could, I could write a, a huge paper up on <clears throat> why unit tests are difficult in, in the Salesforce space. And by the way, and people should know when I say unit tests, I'm, I'm actually referring to not what Salesforce and their documentation calls unit tests. I'm actually referring to, um, the, a more traditional definition of a unit test, which is a, a, the unit is as a class. So you test your test exercise something that is just one class. And if it goes beyond that one class, I mean, if you have a class that has DML statements or query something from the database or anything like that, like that's, not a, that's not a unit test, right? And so in, on the Salesforce platform, in order to do true unit testing and have you know a good unit test coverage, basically all of your classes, your... Um, your trigger handlers, your batch implementation classes, you just your 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 business logic classes, mm-hmm. they've all got to implement interfaces because you have to be able to, you know, when your business class, let's say it, um, you know, it gets it, it's 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 you know, it knows how to make queries and it knows how to save things and knows how to make web service calls. Like instead of it actually doing SQL statements and doing DML statements, it's got to first, it's got to be making all those against like some kind of query service or data service. Mm-hmm. And then when you test, when you're unit testing that you've got to pass in stubs for all that stuff, which means that those things have to be all abstractions, not concrete classes. Right. And it just, it, <laughs> and try, I've gone down this route. I got, I, I tried to do this years ago and I feel really, really, really bad about the code that I created for clients. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> I mean, because it, it was, it's so much to maintain and it's just it such a mess. And because with like, you know, with like modern Java stuff, I mean, the, the, the test frameworks they have now, I mean, like um, I've used, I've, I've loved JMocket for years. I still think it's the best one. I don't know why it's not more popular, but um you don't have to, no, no longer are we in the days in Java where, because that was one of the big things was um, depend on abstractions, mm-hmm. not concrete implementations. Well, nowadays you can depend on abstractions because, I'm sorry, now you can depend on what looks like a concrete class because your testing frameworks nowadays are so powerful because the because the Java virtual machine has gotten more powerful. You know, you've got, you can hook into the, it, the testing frameworks can hook into the VM and take something, can take a concrete class and like swap it out for something else, like a right. mock or whatever. So you can do all those things without having to create tons of interfaces and have everything implementing interfaces everywhere. When you only have one implementation, you only have one implementation of the interface. So why do you have an interface? Oh, because I need to test. Well, now you don't have to do that anymore. Right. But on in the Salesforce space, you would have to do that. You'd have tons of interfaces, which means more 
namespace pollution. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it just, I mean, I can, for so many reasons, I mean, I can, I can just destroy this argument of, oh yeah, you need to have unit test coverage. No, you don't. No, not, not true unit tests. You need test coverage for sure. Oh, well, I've, I've actually, um, I found it, I found it better to not refer to them as unit tests, especially when I'm doing my estimations. Because I started calling them, I think I started calling them test automation scripts or something like that. I just call them tests. No, I, I wanted or, to, I wanted to convey sorry. that yeah. these are, these are automated scripts that I'm writing. And so it's code and it's meant for regression testing. And it's apart from functional testing. Because one thing I was getting kind of an issue on is that I would say, I need to write my unit tests. And Clients and sometimes would my, confuse my that. <laughs> clients, clients, and sometimes yeah, I love it, John. Sometimes you're so possessive. Colleagues can help it. <laughs> would think that that was functional testing, and it isn't. It's just it's these automated scripts that I that are designed for regression tests, and it doesn't take the place of functional testing. Or when actually, you say functional testing, tell me what you mean by that. I I just mean going to the system, point and clicking, and making oh, so sure everything works. Manual testing. Yes, manual testing. Okay. So, am I using functional testing wrong too? So I would, that's what I've always called it. Is okay. Functional testing is going to the system and, point and, again, and clicking. So, no, so first of all, let's say that you know no one owns these terms, but I will say, um, in most of the testing literature, um, <laughs> like one of the great books is like X Unit Patterns or X Unit is that what it's called? X Unit Testing Pattern, something like that. It's a it's a to, it's a tome. It's giant. Um, and many and and I feel like. All the testing books I have are very, and 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 the the, the people that you know that are the software, um, what do you call them? Like uh, thought leaders. <laughs> I feel like everyone agree, pretty much. I would say uh, mostly agrees on this definition. Functional test is is the is an end to end automated test. So a functional test would be. Um, now they do need to be automated. I think that's still a requirement. They're automated, but a functional test would fire up like the database, the web server, the, if you, if it's got a, you know, a, a, a messaging queue that it uses all, fires up all these things and literally like makes a rest call to some of the, one of the endpoints. And then that thing goes and does this thing, queries the database and, you know, puts mm -hmm. a message in the queue and like, then ultimately gets a response. Right. And then the, that test then gets, once it gets that response back, checks to make sure that it got the response it should have gotten after the system does all those things. Right. It's a full, it's beyond integration. Because an integration test doesn't have necessarily have to be a functional. Functional is like end-to-end, -end, but it's still automated. It's still, it, it's, it's right under the hood of an actual UI. Okay. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, it, it's... And then you can have automated UI testing, which is like the, the Selenium type things, right? right. Uh, which are, oh, I mean, on the one hand, very cool that they even exist. And they're, they're especially nowadays, as good as they are. But on the other hand, still very problematic, very brittle. Um, and can and can be way more work than they are value if your you if you if your UI is engineered really well, and or if your UI is it changes quite a bit. Yeah, it's just it's a lot of work to keep those tests up to date. And the question is, are they are they providing you more value than what your than the the cost they are? Right. I always kind of caution against those personally. Yeah, that's another thing I've been cautious of is is that as I'm building out all this code. Is is trying not to not trying not to increase the amount of time it takes me to do something. So I try to. I feel like if I can do it in the same time I could do one big monolithic class, I'm okay, and I've been able to do that. So whether it's one big monolithic class or five classes, as long as I do it in the same time, I feel okay with it. But if I start over engineering and creating these interfaces and it's taking me twice the time because I've got all these new classes I've got to deal with, 
I know I've gone down the wrong path, um, which hopefully doesn't happen. <laughs> Never happens. Right? Yeah. Right? Never happens. Yeah. Uh, all right, so let's. Uh, we wanted to have a short show, but we never do. No, uh, we got to keep, we gotta keep this moving. We're in an hour now. I know. I'm just gonna say, let's keep it moving. Um, I to, did I tell you I got a new keyboard? I haven't told you I got a new keyboard, have I? No. Yeah, I switched to a mechanical keyboard. I got the DOS keyboard. Oh yeah, the DOS. DOS was that like a hundred dollar keyboard. It was like one hundred fifty, something like that. Maybe more. I don't know. Is that is that D A S or D O S? D A S. Okay, so it's not German. So German it's, DOS keyboard. I think that's the thing. It, it's meant to sound German, but it's not German. It's like made in Austin and what or does Houston DOS or something. For? I don't know. Yeah. DAS. Is this DOS. one of these just insanely clickety clackety keyboards? Yes, I did get blue switches. The and, blue switches, okay. And I'm very clickety clackety. They're very satisfying, but I am very self conscious on calls when I'm taking notes because I'm just going, I'm trying to manage my mute button at the same time, <laughs> but I'm, I'm very clicky. I, <laughs> but I enjoy it. I'm, it has not done what I thought it would do, which is improve my accuracy because I'm, I went from these very tiny keyboards, like the Apple Mac keyboards, to this nicer, wider spaced keyboard. And so things are positioned differently. So my my hand sometimes isn't moving far enough left or far enough right to get to where I need to be. So it's been a learning experience and adjustment. But I also switched out my mouse too because I got I went went with it with a a Logitech MX two I think it's called um, over the is that a 486 MX2? Yeah, something like okay. that. Yeah. <laughs> it probably has a 486 in it. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but you, but the main reason is as is, is, is the keyboard's corded, so that goes to my monitor, and I treat my monitor basically like a hub so that all I have to do is switch one cable between my work machine and my personal machine, and the mouse has, has a three-toggle switch, so I can actually tell it to switch between three computers. Um, so that's kind of giving me my kind of KVM solution hmm. <laughs> um, because I... I have my work machine and then I have my personal machine and I want to be able to switch between the two. I don't want them to overlap. So this, this made it to where I have one setup, one cable moving between the two and I'm, I'm much happier, but yeah, it's just it's, the, the noise is, is taking some getting used to. My favorite keyboard I ever had was, um, with my, it was an IBM. Oh, this was an XT and I know I'm really dating myself that because I believe the processor was an eight megahertz, 8088. Here's what that one had, and a um, it had CGA, but I eventually put a, an EGA card in in it, so I ended up with uh, like a, a, a whole sixteen oh, colors. John. Wow, sixteen! I mean, you, Did have, you have a sound blaster in you it had too. Dark cyan and light cyan, and dark magenta and light magenta. Wow! I mean, I was <laughs> I was shitting in tall cotton. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say that when I'm drinking. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but this, and I, I don't think I have this keyboard anymore. I'm sure I threw it away a long time ago. But I mean, this thing, it had to weigh 25 pounds, first of all. And this thing was a beast. And in every keycap, I mean, and I, I mean, I was like 12 years old or something. I mean, I didn't treat anything well. I, I dropped crap and like, who knows how much. I mean, I'd sit there and eat Doritos at my computer all the time, you know, just all kinds of toast and whatever. Sorry for that. Um, Why did you have toast? Oh, I guess I don't know. I mean, toast. I don't know. Toast is good. <laughs> <laughs> that's such an odd thing to have toast what are you crust. talking about who doesn't love toast toast is not odd you can't say that that's again no who sits in front of a computer and eats toast me <laughs> when i was 12 but anyway i mean you couldn't you couldn't mess this keyboard up i mean these keycaps were like each one of them was like uh, armored or something always perfect i mean just mm -hmm. the travel was perfect and big travel pretty big travel by the way yeah. on those things but i mean they and the click on those things was like 
I mean, you could feel it as the more you push it down, it would start to, yeah, you know, the pressure would start to build up, and then as soon as it clicked, I mean, you know, the re- and the pressure would release. And it was just such a it's great feeling. I mean, right? it was, but it was it was very clacky, yeah. clickety clackety. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm but it was great. I'm relegated to getting used to it because I love the feel of it. I love the feel. But it was of way it. too loud, especially nowadays because I'm on calls all the time. Yeah, just to hear that in the background. That no, no. Okay, I'm just gonna I brag do. about my tapping, my typing. Oh no! Nah, see, I like to ha- I like to be able to, I like to give people good audio, even on just phone calls and conference calls. I like to have like I like to, you know, the, the annoying thing is when people like, you know, they um they use their speakerphone or their computer's microphone, and oh, they yeah. happen to be in a room with nothing but glass walls and hardwood floors, and I'm just like, it sounds like, it literally sounds like you're in something designed to be an echo chamber. Oh, thanks. That makes it real beneficial for me on this call. You know, meanwhile, I'm like, I've got my, I'll even, I'll even use this mic on, you know, I've used some like professional broadcast mic on just for conference calls. <laughs> Cause I want, to be able to have, I want to be able to be heard and understood well without hurting people's ears. Yeah. I just, I just try to manage the mute button and, and try to take my notes in between. Now you're very echoey on that call we had the other day, yesterday, when it was just so echoey. You're was right? I? Oh my God. I, I had my, um, AirPods on too. It I didn't. Think. Oh, well, they're bad. AirPods are not any good for yeah. their mic. It's too far away from your mouth. Is the problem? I guess. Yeah, but you, yeah, but your room, you, it's like all hard surfaces in your in your. Yeah, office. I don't. I don't have anything. Yeah, everything's hard. <laughs> okay, that well, can't maybe. that can't be a title. No, I can't. <laughs> anyway, I did. I actually had one topic, but I totally don't want to do it. It's okay. about how the type the the um. There was a news uh, thing. It was with Salesforce. It says Salesforce delivers new health cloud innovations to personalize patient experiences and improve outcomes. And the, the, the interesting part that caught my attention about this was, I guess we're going to go ahead and do it, is uh, the new thing. Do you want the, me to stop you? No, the new top feature about this thing is, um, with, with health cloud, is that there's a new social determinant of health. Mm. It's this new capability. Yeah. It's gross sounding. Yeah. And so care teams will have a complete patient profile, empowering them to connect the care journey and deliver the personalized experience that patients expect. So that's the, that to me sounds like the positive spin on it, right? Um, I don't, I don't want a personal experience. So there's a new integration between health cloud and marketing cloud. See the marketing cloud, the thing that tracks you, like even when you don't know about it, because it's got super cookies and all that, and knows everything you're doing everywhere. That's now hooked, getting hooked up to market to health cloud. See, I don't, I don't understand why these companies think that we all want mommies and daddies to tell us what to do. Um, we, we go from like the no, no, toothbrush no, that no, can talk you know to your dentist to, and no, tell you no, when you know you're not brushing to, right. No. So you know who wants to know this? Is your insurance company? Yeah, well, I don't want them to be my mommy and daddy. I don't want them to either. The funny thing was, and this literally that like, came up because like search engines are smart, um, and showed me this article. It was from about a week ago. Is the Ver from the Verge? And the title of this is why? When was the date of this? February seventh. When was that? Five days ago? Something like that? Four days ago? Why the future of life insurance may depend on your online presence? I'm not going to go through this to you, but the first sentence is: Don't post photos of, your, of, of yourself on social media sites. Do. Unless you're like running or something, or, do, or being like you know doing something that's like the picture of perfect health. Oh, so if you're sitting in front of a giant cheeseburger like I yeah. was the other day, um, this expert says what you pay for life insurance could depend on your next Instagram post. Wow. And again, I've got like tons of stuff highlighted here. I really don't want to get into it just because it's where that we're it's too far into the night <laughs> at this point. <laughs> but hmm. But people have been saying you know that the people that are willing to like when it comes to car insurance companies, they want to put a GPS. They'll give you a discount on your insurance. <clears throat> an initial discount anyway, if you'll put their device in your car. Right. 
the tattlers. Which is a GPS device, right? Yeah. Which knows everywhere you go. How what, fast you're going. Which, which also tells them what kind of person you are, what the type of establishments you visit. Um, yeah, what, Jeremy what, seems what, to like that. What street corners you tend Jeremy to drive to. Jeremy seems to like that growler quite a, <laughs> yeah, quite a bit. Uh, guilty as charged. Yeah. Um, but, you know, how fast you go and everything else. Uh, I mean, so, yeah, this is, you know, this is the world we're coming into where, you know, everything's IoT, right? IoT, all the things. <clears throat> I, um, I, I think it'll get worse, but then it'll get better. I think, well, I think there'll is, be a backlash what happens on it. People, you know, you're going to have more self-censoring, right, of what you yeah. post online. Yeah. Which is good. People do share way too much. It's, it's, it's <laughs> that's, crazy. Yeah, that's true. That, you, you would like that. What? If people just didn't share anything. How, yeah, much, how much do you share on social media in, in a one year, John? Zero. Zero. <laughs> yeah. That's about accurate. Yeah. Well, you don't, you don't no, that's not you. true. That's not true because all, all my accounts are hooked up to the, to the uh, podcast. And so when I post to like Facebook, it has to go through my account. Well, Twitter goes to the Good Dacer account. So but that's about it. It's, it only exists for that, but I barely even read it anymore. I don't even have it on. I don't even have it installed. So I don't. I don't know if this is like <clears> just kind of real time. Is it? The, what's the pro for? What is the pro for? They're talking about that in the. That's the. That's the keyboard. Here. Oh, you it's can the DOS. Hear it. It's the DOS keyboard. Oh, so pro Brett. 4. So Brett uses the pro four too. Yeah. Mm, I looked at the. He mentioned the Q five. I looked at the Q five, but I wasn't interested in RGB, and I wasn't interested in all the, the the special features of it. Kind of. Because it would let you kind of create hotkeys and things based on uh, application context, so you could you'd open up a program and it would have context mm. for that for that program, yep. and um, it would also Doesn't the OS do that though. <laughs> well, it would also do indicators too, so you could if it, it would hook up to Twitter, and if you got a certain notification, it would blink a certain light on your keyboard, a certain color, whatever you wanted to. I mean, you oh, could do kind some of really like the touch bar. Yeah, I mean, you could do a lot of really <laughs> cool stuff with it. But I was like, I just want a keyboard. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I'm the same way. Yeah. So and you know, so I used to, what is this? What is this called? Um, just this Apple external, you know, US or um, just the Apple keyboard, the, the Bluetooth it? keyboard, yeah. yeah. Um, which I like more and more because I can hardly even use this keyboard, it, like my, oh, on my laptop, laptop, my laptop keyboard. Yeah, I mean, I'll be sitting at home because, like, my B key, <clears throat> it either doesn't register when you click it. What's well, because you're eating toast oh, over on. your laptop? No, I don't. No, that was when I was twelve. I don't do that anymore. I don't eat on my computer. Well, you can spill beer in it then. No, I don't. I'm super <laughs> careful about that. Actually, I never have my my computer at a level where if there's a drink nearby that spills it, will get wet. I mean, I haven't done that. So, but when you click my B key, it either doesn't register at all or it registers two Bs. There's no in between. There's no way to get one B. <laughs> and so, so and, and I beast, work at home. Beastie boys all the time. I, and I work at, you know, I'm, I'm spending, I do spend a decent amount of time like on my laptop, on my lap, at home, on the couch. And every time I do a B, I have to wait until it double registers and then I have to backspace. That's how I work. How sad is my life? <laughs> I mean, it's just, I'm just thinking how funny that story would be if it was a P instead of a B. And every key feels different. Some keys feel normal and fine. Some keys feel like there's something stuck under them, which there probably mm -hmm. is. I don't know. You know, and, and some keys work really well. Some keys don't work really well. It's just this thing's a, this thing's a disaster. Do well, I qualify for that keyboard replacement program they, they did? You remember that? I didn't know there was a keyboard replacement oh, yeah. program. Yeah, yeah. You can get it replaced for free. With, but I, I, think I mean, it, I I did look at the new full size um, Mac keyboard, but I I just decided I really wanted to go mechanical, and I I'm willing to deal with the sound. So I'll tell you my next keyboard because the thing is like these straight rows of keys, these are not good for you. I, oh, my yeah. next my next keyboard will be if I if I get another one will be like a, something with separated. Mm. So, this is not good for you. You can get the one that's upright. And you can do this. 
No one can see what I'm doing. But that's actually, yeah, no, that's cool. It's there like is a keyboard that does It's that. almost like yeah. you're playing a harp or a harp or something. Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> I thought about, so LG has this mouse that's vertical like that. But the problem is I don't want to, I don't want that for a mouse because anytime you press a button, it's going to move it. And if the, the, if it's sensitive enough, it's going to move. So that was one of the complaints about it was that if you click, sometimes it would slightly move off the link you're on and it wouldn't click it. And I was like, I don't want to deal with that. Yeah. I just, just give me a mouse. But I do like this one better than the Apple mouse because it does have, it does, it's, it has that hump. I can put my hand on the hump. Before, my hand's just kind of hovering. Yeah. But now I can actually yeah. rip something. So it feels much nicer. Well, John, let's wrap up. I did want to say, I should have said this earlier when we were talking about hiring, but um, my company is still hiring. I feel like we're always going to be hiring. <clears throat> so if you are even remotely interested or anyone you know, please please refer us or uh, just reach out to us. Probably the best thing is our, our website, which is elevation.solutions. Um, you can just like fill out the thing there or, or just call me or, or just contact me directly. DM me on Slack. Um, Wait a minute. Your website is elevation.solutions? Yep. Isn't that cool? Dot com? I, isn't that, no, no, we don't need it. We're, we're, we're progressive. We don't, we're, we're not in this old dot com. How old are you, John? Dot com. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's really dot solutions. That's pretty cool. It is. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, you can. I would say just, you also just reach out to me if you're listening to this. You can just uh, ping me directly just on, on whatever m- medium medium uh, you are you were on together. Um, but yeah, I mean we're right now mainly you know looking for like uh, self like solution consultants. What are they called? Oh, we didn't, we didn't talk about this. We were going to talk about this. All these different titles. There solution architect. But in the Salesforce space, that you commonly call these solution architects. So like if you've got you know if you're like a sales cloud, service cloud, maybe community cloud, whatever, and you've got you know a couple certs, you know, or more than that. That's the kind of person we're looking for, someone with some experience. We're looking at this point for you know people who have got some experience. At some point, we're going to be also trying to develop more talent because it's just there's only so many like senior consultants out there. That's that's one right. problem. You have to develop internally. But right now, where we're at, we're kind of looking for more senior people. Um, we will be looking to develop internally more and and hire more junior people. But right now, it's kind of more senior. But. Um, you know, but if you're even remotely interested or you know someone who is, please just contact me. Um, more than happy just to have a conversation to talk about what we've got available and how we work, which is, by the way, how we work is really awesome. We're an awesome little company. Um, fun to work for. Um, but yeah, reach out, please. Um, Slack is one of the ways you can reach out to me. And if you're not in the Slack, please please join the Slack because uh, that's how you get involved in this community. And the way you do that is you go to gooddaysirpodcast.com and you click on the community link which is probably at the top mm-hmm. and you will put your email address in and john will uh, dutifully add you manually as he likes to do yeah uh, to the uh to our slack i just want to add to your last pitch mm-hmm. that i've worked for jeremy before and we're still friends that's got to mean something right which is probably pretty amazing <laughs> yeah I, th- I think i i think i might i think i worked for you for a period of time too you never really worked for me well you did work yeah, for I me. Did. I that's right yeah. I forgot, uh, that's true yeah. Um, I think, I, but I first worked for you. I mean, I re- kind of reported to you. Yeah, I guess I was the senior person on the project. Yeah. But, yeah. And you were the contractor. Yep, exactly. So I guess technically, yeah, you yep. did. Should have cracked that whip harder. <laughs> <laughs> Gave you too much know, leeway. It, it hurt pretty bad, you know? <laughs> <laughs> of course it did. You had yeah. to work with my SQL stored procedures. Right. <laughs> Um, that was our that was our application interface layer it was, was stored it was procedures. API, stored, oh God, help us! <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we're past those days. <laughs> um, 
uh, please email us with your feedback, your questions. Um, we need to be communicated with. So hit us up, info at gooddaysirpodcast.com with whatever you want to say to us or any questions, like I said. Um, we're always looking for just to, another way to communicate, another way to get uh, in, content into the show um, or, or private stuff. It doesn't have to go to the show. That's the other thing. You just want to tell us what jerks we are. We're, hey, we're always looking to improve as people. So let us know. <laughs> What else, John? Um, like us, share us, subscribe on your thing. I can tell who subscribes because when we release the the day that we release the show, like the, that big spike that goes up, mm-hmm. that's people who subscribe. <clears throat> but it's just it's just it's an easy way to get it. Like it automatically comes into your catcher, and uh, you know, it just works better. Yeah, but yeah, and, and, and all you Overcast users, go in and star every episode. Star, 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 star. Why? I don't know why. Because we don't make any money off this. There's so, I, figured, <laughs> I keep wondering. Like I keep checking the mailbox, thinking that check is going to come in one of these yeah, days. One of these like, days, yeah. It comes. Was it? Who's it come from? Apple or Google or Overcast? Who does this check supposed to? Who's it supposed to come from? I don't know. <laughs> I haven't figured this out yet. But <laughs> they lost our ads. Anyway, no. We just you know we just like to spread the word. Is what it is. So you know, tell people, tell your friends. Um, we'll talk about. Oh, we didn't get to conferences. Maybe we'll talk about that next week. I mean, it's not no rush, right? Yeah, no rush. Yeah, they're all in the future still. Anything else from you, John? Nope. nope. I'm good. How'd you like this thread spinner? It's good. It's yes. got me spinning. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm spinning a little bit too, actually. <laughs> no, I, I still can't get over how much soy sauce I'm getting off of it. It's like, I, it's like I just sat here and ate a bowl of rice with soy sauce in it. I'm not yeah. complaining. I like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> to that, I say, good day, sir. God. <laughs> you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir.